25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, it is the calm before the storm, the Blue Jackets, as we record this. And as you all listen, this episode is coming out on Wednesday the 5th, which means that it is one week before the Blue Jackets take the ice against the Carolina Hurricanes on the 12th in Carolina in good old Raleigh, North Carolina. So Laura, you've got to be excited. I know that I am. Hockey is just around the corner. It's getting real. It's getting real. The Blue Jackets have made some roster cuts that we'll obviously talk about, but the vision is getting clearer, but it still remains pretty murky. So how are you feeling as we head into this final week of the preseason? Although I will say for not all teams, I mean, you've got Nashville and San Jose facing off on Friday in in the first global series matchup of, of this year. So Laura, how are you feeling just a week out? Yeah, I'm excited. And as we were putting together sort of the agenda for today's show, I was kind of like, I feel like there should be more stuff because we are so close to like the start of the season. Um, But I guess that's kind of the nice thing. It's nice for not only us, but I guess for the teams too, because it's they're still hard decisions, but they're less decisions because they've significantly cut down the roster by this point. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that we're going to be a week away from the season opener and like a week and two days away from the home opener. Um, yeah, hockey's back and it's going to be great. Although I have to say I got significantly less excited about that matchup against the Hurricanes after watching that horrendous matchup <laughs> the other night, oh. which to be fair, many Blue Jackets regulars not in the lineup for that. So that is not a fair assessment of where this team is at and what that matchup is going to look like next week. But man, oh man, seeing that 8-1 scoreline, even in a game that didn't matter, still hurt a little bit and still did, in fact, make me a little afraid for that matchup next week. <laughs> Yeah, it was a rough one, especially after like um, a pretty good showing on Saturday against the Capitals, like taking that game 2-1, um, you know, because it's always great to beat the Capitals in any capacity. And again, most most traveling teams are not your like A number ones in the preseason. So who knows how those matchups will go when we are in the regular season. But yeah, to come back and face off against Carolina and just like I unfortunately wasn't able to watch the game, but I was following along through Twitter and with between texts with Jeremy and the, just like it was almost like watching a lottery like slot machine go because like every time I went to check Carolina had scored again and like just over and over and over again. And I felt so bad for our two goalies, like who had had both of them had had pretty okay, especially Jet, um, pretty okay showing so far in the preseason and to just get, you know, wailed on for a whole game. But yeah, it was definitely a team of bubble players that were there um, for the Blue Jackets and kind of a bummer too that it was probably i'm not gonna say the only game but it was a rare occasion that cole and owen cylinder were able to play at the same time and even oddly on the same line when things really started to go south and lars was just tossing things out there um so kind of a bummer that it was that travesty of a game that they played together but 
Cole's back, so that's a positive. Yeah, that is a positive. I will say with no disrespect to, to the older Cylinder brother, but I don't know that there will be very many opportunities in the future to see those two playing together, except for perhaps maybe next Blue Jackets preseason and or some really terrible situations that involve a lot of injuries for the Blue Jackets and, and that require an Owen Cylinder call-up. But yeah, I mean, it was a, a fascinating week for the Blue Jackets in terms of, of their preseason matchups, of course. Like you mentioned, being able to beat the Capitals is always a win, literally and figuratively. Uh, and they're able to do that 2-1 over over the, the Washington Capitals on Saturday. And that game, it seemed kind of like a snooze fest in the sense that, like, the Jackets only had 20 shots on goal. Uh, you know, they're able, you know, that second period seems like it was probably the worst period of hockey to watch because not only is it like n- no action, no goals, no anything like that, but also like the game doesn't matter because it's the preseason, so it extra sucks. Uh, but <laughs> Carson Meyer and Igor Chinnikov, who have been two like major stories, I think, of this preseason for the Columbus Blue Jackets, both get on the board and Chinny gets his uh, third goal, I think, at that point. Uh, his mm-hmm. fourth goal being against uh, Carolina on Tuesday or, yeah, Tuesday. No, Monday. My God, days are hard. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that we're recording on Tuesday. I'm, I'm in. I am definitely in preseason form still. But I mean, for for Chinny to get a game-winning goal there, that's awesome for him, and he's really cemented himself as somebody who probably has earned a roster spot. But nothing is guaranteed until it's guaranteed. So that was really exciting to see, and I think that you can you can take those pieces with you, and you can forget the pieces that happened on Tuesday because woof. Yeah, and also Saturday, just to wrap it up, was a really stellar performance by Elvis. Like, Elvis really, he played the whole game on Saturday, um, and he really kept the the team in it uh, and had some pretty impressive saves, especially towards the end when the Caps were really trying to tie it up and to push it into overtime. So that was a nice thing. I mean, I love Elvis, but I know other people are like, nervous <laughs> i know shocking laura loves elvis you love elvis weird um and i but i know that there are more people that get nervous about his performance and his confidence and whatnot um but i thought that was a really good showing for him he had again pretty massive saves in the th- in the third period and also saved himself in a very tricky moment where um he had gotten really far out of the crease and there was an awkward turnover that clearly wasn't his fault, but he just like miraculously got back in the net and stopped this shot by the Capitals who had had a wide open situation. And so it was nice to hear the crowd go wild in that circumstance. But so, yeah. Not really much to write home about about either of these games. But again, preseason doesn't count. And it means nothing really except for roster moves towards the regular season. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think like I don't want to discount. Like it's always fun whenever you can watch Blue Jackets hockey and hear Bob McGillie call a Blue Jackets game and all that kind of stuff. Like that's always a win. But yeah, it really is. It's more about the implications of the play, and it's more about what the team decides to do moving forward. And and yeah, Elvis has been outstanding this preseason. He's saved 54 out of the 55 shots that he's faced. And I know it's no surprise to hear Laura go on a tangent about a, a Blue Jacket goalie, but uh, maybe a little bit less likely to hear me do it on any given episode. But yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of time for the way that Elvis has played this preseason and I just get the vibe that he's coming into the season feeling pretty confident in where he's at. And I think that that's a really exciting thing. If you're a Blue Jackets fan and you've been a little bit wary about where Elvis is going to be at at the start of this season, just based on some inconsistent play last year. But I think he's giving you indications that he's going to be okay. Like, I mean, obviously the other Blue Jackets goaltenders, uh, you know, have struggled at times and, you know, that's going to happen, especially like we've talked about kind of off the show. Like you've got a lot of guys that don't travel to, you know, opposing arenas during the preseason. And obviously Elvis is not making a trip down to Raleigh, but you know, (laughs) poor Jack Greaves and Daniil Tarasov having to face all of the hurricane starters. And even some guys that are there like Derek Stepan, who are, uh, you know, fighting for a roster spot still who are down there on a PTO 
you know, probably one of the bigger news stories, I think, of the last week for the Blue Jackets. And calling it a news story isn't even, like, maybe that's o- overdoing it. But, you know, the Jackets released James Neal from his, you know, professional tryout contract, which is something that I think probably surprised some Blue Jackets fans. I know I was a little bummed because I wanted him to at least be here somewhere in the organization. I mean, there's never anything wrong with having some more really key veteran presence down at your AHL squad. You know, even I mean, obviously Cleveland for for Cleveland to be able to win more games, but then also just to have that like veteran presence down there with all of those young guys who are developing. So I'm a little disappointed in that, but I guess it's not entirely impossible that he could still find his way to the Monsters on an AHL contract. But I think he's looking for at least an NHL contract with potential for um, you know one way money, but maybe potentially still playing in the AHL. So we'll see where that where that goes for James Neal. Wish him nothing but the best. He didn't play terribly, I didn't think, like in his in his games with the Jackets. I don't know that he really got the world's fairest shake in all the situations, but at the same time, like as we're gonna talk about, like there's this log jam at the forward spot that creates a lot of question marks that I don't know that people are gonna always love the answer to. And so uh, I can understand not wanting to carry somebody into the preseason any longer than you need to although that being said victor rask he's the other guy on a, on a pto in the forward core and he's he's still there holding on strong granted he uh didn't take any line rushes today in tuesday's practice on a line that looked like it would start in the regular season but he's still kicking so we'll see what, what comes of that but yeah james neal is uh Maybe he is the real deal, but I don't think he's going to be the real deal in Columbus, unfortunately, which I think uh, is sad for some Blue Jackets fans who are hoping to maybe see a chance for him to to reinvigorate some of what he had in the past and and bring some of that to the Jackets. Yeah, it really uh, fired up a couple of people on Blue Jackets social media when they announced his release. And I always find it, and I've talked about it before, but I always find it funny and mildly entertaining depending on how far it goes how quickly some fans just jump to and i know i know this is shocking for you because jeremy always makes fun of me that i always jump i jump to the worst case scenario it's true i do that all the time but i always think it's funny how quickly blue jackets fans some of them not all of them obviously jump to the worst case scenario and like people were talking about how this is just a huge mistake for yarmo to make to not offer James Neal a contract and like now it's gonna be like this shitty year like no like <laughs> like he was here on a professional trial like I know that he is obviously a veteran and he's played some really good hockey but like Jeremy said and what we're gonna talk about is like as much as it probably would have been nice it just doesn't make sense for us right now and for all the young talent that we have and that we're developing and, you know, and there may have been the possibility that he's not ready to, to hang up the NHL level and he doesn't want to be just an AHL guy yet. So that's all. I mean, if that's the case, I'm glad that they gave him the opportunity to say that and like respect his decision. So but yeah, it's not, it's sad, but it's not like life altering. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you said, it's a luxury that the blue jackets, it's not that they couldn't necessarily like dollar figure afford it, but in terms of the space on the roster, they couldn't necessarily afford it. And that is a okay. Because uh, like we said, <laughs> so there's, there's a bevy of, of blue jackets that I think you could probably say have not necessarily locked in their spot on the team quite yet like I I think that there are some people on our list of people that we don't consider locks that people are gonna be like okay really Jeremy really Laura like let's be serious like but the reality is is that there are really only a few players that we feel at this point are 100% certain to make this team and we're talking like 100% I'm talking if they're 99.9 they're on the list like they're on this list that we're going to talk about today uh and so Laura, you holler if you tell me that I've got this wrong, but the players that I have marked down currently as roster locks in the forward core yes, are Johnny Goudreau, shocker. Yep, definitely. There's this guy named Boone Jenner I think will make the team. Mm, does he wear an extra letter on his jersey? Unclear. Um, <laughs> like B. Jenner, do you mean? Like B. Jenner? Anyway, um, <laughs> 
Patrick Line, I think he's good. I think he scores sometimes. I've heard that. Um, I've heard that. Rumor has it. Jack Roslovic, he's a guy. Like I think he finished last season, like probably as like the Blue Jackets top forward, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jakub Voracek, I mean, he's. I don't think you're allowed to collect Social Security when you're in the AHL, so I think he's good. Um, <laughs> I was fucked up. I'm sorry. Cole Fillinger. I mean, if you don't send him down as an 18 year old, you're not going to do it as a 19 year old, are you? Yeah, and, that would be uh, mean. And Sean Crowley. That, like, to me, is the list of people that we have as locks so far in this forward court. Does that sound right? Yes, I think we got all of them. So what we're going to do for the rest of this episode is we are going to do something that, like, didn't go great last time. And I have to address the Oliver Bjorkstrand-sized elephant in the room. (laughs) And I said the last time we did percentages for anything, I said there was a 98. No, I said there was a 100%. Chance no, you said 100. I Bjorkstrand, said 98. That Oliver Bjorkstrand would be a Columbus Blue Jacket. And uh, percentages be damned, I was wrong. And so the disclaimer on this one is that I, I am safe and okay with being wrong. And I expect that I will likely be wrong about some of these. And uh, I am not holding any of these with the same level of opinion that I held. <laughs> <laughs> the Oliver Bjorkstrand incorrect prediction as. So here's hoping that this one doesn't go as far south as that one did. Fingers crossed. I don't think you can take another hit like that right now. Yeah, me both. But we're going to go in alpha order based on who is still left in training camp. We're feeling pretty safe because this episode is coming out on Wednesday. And so I don't think the Blue Jackets will make another roster cut before they play another game. So this feels great. This feels like we're going to have at least some relatable content and some content that's relevant for like 24 to 36 hours. Who knows? We'll figure it out together. When do they play next? I don't even know. This is for you. Thursday. Oh, shit. We've got plenty of time. We've got at least least 48 hours of quality content. So thank God. (laughs) Thank God we got this one figured out. But Laura, we're going to start alphabetically in the forward core, and that leads us to our first forward, which is Emil Bemstrom. Emil Bemstrom is somebody who signed a contract extension this off season with the Blue Jackets, a two-year deal. So, Laura, what is the percentage that you have on Emil Bemstrom making this team? And, okay, let's let's also, like, throw this caveat out there. A lot of these players are, like, in the system, like, they're going to be in the system, period. Like, that's – when we say make the team, I'm talking about the opening night roster. They can be scratches, too, right? Like, they don't necessarily yeah. have to be starters. They just have to be on the Blue Jackets active roster – for the game against the Carolina Hurricanes. And actually, I think the NHL requires your roster be set on the 10th, I think it is. So it's something. So basically, who's going to be a blue jacket and wearing the Union Blue on October 10th? And so Emil Bemstrom, what is the percentage of him him doing that? So I wanted to put 0%, but there's the tricky thing about that he would have to clear waivers if they sent him down to Cleveland. Um, And I don't think that they want to risk that even though he's he doesn't super perform well in Columbus, someone could, it was just, I just think it's more of a risk. And I don't know that Yarmo wants to do that right now. Um, so I have 40% that he will be on the main team. Yeah, I think, well, what's fascinating about this situation is I think that two-year contract actually protects him a little bit. Like there's some, there is some, commitment to that in the sense of if they waive him a team recognizes that they have two years of a Milbenstrom versus hey the Jackets just cleared this or just waived this guy that we think could potentially be a good depth forward piece for us and we're like on the precipice of making a good run but we need to make sure that we have good organizational depth and so there's some protection there that being said Laura what number does the player wear 52 so I'm giving him a 52% chance to make the team, uh, you know, for context, he was skating on the third line on Tuesday with, with Cole Sillinger and Justin Danforth. So it's possible that that was just Lars experimenting with some lines and seeing how things looked. It's possible that maybe this is the, the lineup that takes the ice on third. Like you're going to see some folks who you think are going to make the team not play in these last few preseason games because they're going to want to give guys a chance that, maybe 
are bubble guys, right? Like they want to see them one last time. And so maybe that's why Bemmer is in there on the third line for the line rushes on Tuesday. But yeah, give me 52% with Emil Benstrom. And then that leads us to a player that I don't know about you, Laura, but I've got him ranking a lot higher than his jersey number on the percentage that I think he's going to make this team. And that is Blue Jackets sophomore. Uh, they're not really called that, but Igor Chinnikov. Igor Chinnikov is somebody who is pro- maybe somebody that a lot of people would challenge us on as whether or not he's a firm lock or not, but he's somebody that we'll throw on this list because nothing is certain. So, Laura, where do you have Chinny on your percentage? I have him at 85%. He has had a really good preseason. Um, he scored three goals so far, and like they've all been – like the shot that we've been promised, um, like the type of shot that we've been promised to get from him. I think um, having a season under his belt, being able to have a true like off season to train and do all these things um, to really get more prepared for another NHL season has really done a lot for him. Um, And he just has kind of a different energy right now but i'm also not so unreal unrealistic to think that they might want to give him a little bit more time to like work through some things and the best place for him to do that is in cleveland um so that's why i have him at 85 percent i've got him at 90 like i just think his preseason play has been too solid he makes the team last year you know, I, I'm not saying that he's not somebody that could potentially get scratched here and there, maybe get sent down to Cleveland for a stint. But I think when we're talking about opening day roster, I think he's somebody that's on it. So uh, for all the same reasons that you said, right? Like, I think that he just looks like he's been more confident with a shot. And obviously, again, like it's preseason. You're not always going up against the other guys, top players, top goaltenders, top defensemen. But at the end of the day, he's looked really good in the preseason. He's given people a lot to talk about. He's probably somebody that I think entered the preseason, maybe even arguably like below that 50% mark or whether or not he was going to make this team based on the depth that we had, but he's seeming like he's pretty much a shoe in at this point. I think that's really exciting for the kid. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And uh, you know who else I'm a big fan of it? Uh, Laura, that's uh, Justin Danforth. Yes, I have uh, 92% for Justin Danforth. He has, which should be a shock to no one. If you saw him play at all last year, he has worked his butt off in camp. Like he has not slept on his, on his laurels. He, every shift he takes, like you can tell that he is out there really pushing it. Um, He seems a little bit faster this year. um, And which is impressive because Justin Danforth is fast. Like um, he was fast last year, but you can tell that he's done the work to really improve upon some things in the off season. And he, he knows that as an older guy um, that these opportunities aren't going to be as prevalent um, potentially as he gets even older. So he needs to work really hard to prove that he can take a space from one of these, you know, one of these younger kids. Um, And I think he's doing that. So I have, I have 92% for Danforth. This is weird. I'm not used to me like, having larger percentages or like giving more credit than you do. That feels weird to me. It's a weird development. I've got him at 95%. I think somebody that that third line center position just makes a lot of sense for him. It's fascinating because right now in in camp, the jackets aren't necessarily skating Cole Sillinger at center, but I think you could probably interchange Danforth and silly there and I think that you're probably like on the right path you know it's he's good he's been really good I love his story I I like think that that's the kind of guy that Brad Larson wants in the room give me Justin Danforth all day long I think he's he's pretty pretty damn close to a shoe-in um now speaking of close to a shoe-in um should we go on the opposite side of that equation for the next one yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, so now, Liam Foodie. Yeah, oh, poor Liam Foodie. Uh, Liam made his debut the other night in Carolina, his preseason debut, I should say, the, the other night in Carolina. Um, 
as we've said, that Carolina game was hot garbage. So it wasn't exactly um, a great showing for anyone on the Blue Jackets side of things. But yeah, we've we've talked about it before. Um, it just, I think he's gonna kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit as these other young guys come in and are getting more of an opportunity to show what they've got. He again had the unfortunate circumstance of being injured in the first part of the preseason. So I know he was skating and like practices and stuff, but he wasn't playing in games and he wasn't doing full contact in the practices. So um, I have him at, because I'm an optimist, I have him at 50%. Oh my God. Who's not making the team, Laura? <laughs> are you I don't know. Talking? Maybe there's like a, some, a measles outbreak or something and they need him for a few weeks. <laughs> oh my God. You, that was the most, you remember early, like literally the last player, I was like, wow, I'm not used to me giving more credit than you do. And this, that, and the other <laughs> gone. You All know I'm partial to him, though, and I feel bad for him. Know, I hear you, but I don't know that I know why. I have him at 10%. There's no way. Like, I don't see a way that he makes this team, right? Like, at least not out of training camp. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, like, this kid's not ever going to get a call up this season and he's not going to potentially have a chance to stick around if he plays well in both Cleveland and in Columbus. But certifiably, he will not make this team. Like, I, like, oh God, I'm doing that thing that he did last time where I'm being really passionate about it, and I want to be wrong. But there's no way, right? Like, Liam Foodie is somebody who – I just, like, where do you put him? And who who do you, like – who who do you take out? Like, okay, I'll hear Emil Bemstrom. Like, I'll hear that and I'll, like, accept that. But, like, who do you take out, right? Like, I don't – I don't like, I'm lost on that one. And I just don't think there's a way. Like, I just don't see it. I agree with you. It just, it pained me to be like not in a cold day in hell for him. Cause I just, I feel bad. That's fair. And I mean, like, this is the other thing too. Like the player is like incredibly athletic. He's really uh, like, he's great. Like he could develop into something really awesome. I think he's one of those players, right. That like everybody thinks a first round pick means something and and that's not always true especially when you're picked i want to say he was and i know he wears number 19 but i want to say that's roughly around where he was drafted too i don't know if it was exactly 19 but he was somewhere in the middle of the first round in his draft he was not a high first round draft pick and what i think people yeah. i think what people confuse about the first round draft picks is like just because you're a first round draft pick like that doesn't mean that you're going to be like a top six forward like there are plenty of top like first round draft picks who play, you know, middle six, bottom six minutes. And that's kind of like where they spend their career. Hell, there are a lot of top there. There, I mean, do we need to spend a lot of time talking about the first over, or not first overall, but like first round draft picks the Blue Jackets have made in their history that just have not even panned out. Like we've got plenty of time to discuss that on episodes in the future. We don't need to discuss it today, but Liam Foodie to me, I'm nowhere near saying that he's in his flop era. I'm not here saying that he's somebody who isn't going to hit, but I don't think it's going to be right away this year. And I think that's okay, but I just don't, I don't see it. Agreed. So, oh, we're going to piss people off with this one. I'm going to piss people off with this one. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to piss people off with this one. Um, and that's Ken Johnson. That is number 91 himself. Uh, you know, he's, he's coming into what will be officially his rookie season. And so a lot of excitement, of course, for Ken Johnson to be, be at camp and potentially have a chance to make this team. Laura, where do you have KJ in your percentage? I have him at 85%. Um, he has had some, some bright, shiny moments. Um, obviously getting the opportunity to center between Johnny and Patrick. Um, that's, that takes a lot of trust. Um to, to see how that experiment would go. I'm also not like, it probably won't happen, but I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they sent him to Cleveland to work on a few things. Cause like we've said, or like I've said, his face-off percentage is not great. Um, there are a couple things that, cause he has a huge, huge amount of hockey knowledge but there are just a few things that with him being 
so new. And that I just think he could benefit a little bit from having the time and the opportunity to work on those things instead of just being thrown into every single game. Not, not that it doesn't count for Cleveland, but like in Columbus, every single game matters. And there's a large expectation of every single game, but I will probably be wrong and he will be on the roster, but not that I don't love him, and he's very talented. Okay, so just to be clear, <laughs> you followed 85% with everything you just said. Well, because I you started to make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've got him at 40. I've got him at 40. Wow. I, I think they're going to send him to Cleveland, and I think that that's okay. Because it's it's exactly the thing that I have said about some of these players, Liam Foodie and Emil Bemstrom, actually, like, and maybe even a little bit of Alexander Texier, maybe not as much, but as being these prime examples of exactly my point, which is rushing guys into the lineup to play them bottom six minutes. Why? Like, like I get that this team is a team that people think is a fringe playoff team, and I don't think that that's not true. I definitely think that they're closer to the playoffs this year than last. If they make it, so be it. Great. If they don't, I think I'll be at peace with that. But why, if you don't think that you can start him in your top six, and I don't know that you can make an argument that you can at this point, do you not send him down to center the first line in Cleveland to start the season? I don't think he finishes the season in Cleveland. Let me be clear. But why do you not start him down there? Like I think that that's the route that this is going in. And I, I'm I'm okay with that. I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be who will read into this as like uh, Ken Johnson is not everything they said he was going to be, and all that kind of stuff. Like Cole Sillinger did a number for the expectations of people on rookies in the NHL. Like, let me say that. Like Cole Sillinger made it so that Blue Jackets fans had unrealistic expectations of every rookie that suited up. Yes, and, 100%. Yeah. He, he, not every rookie is a Cole Cylinder. He is the exception to the rule. We are very fortunate to have him and to have him be that exception. But even in just in this offseason, I've noticed such an extreme, like, perspective on our rookies. Even the guys that we just drafted, you know, like, with these just crazy high expectations that – they need to be on the starting lineup. They need to be on the first line. They need to do this, that, or the other thing, or it's just their trash, like sending them to Cleveland or sending them back to their junior um, leagues is a sign that they're, you know, this were, these were terrible picks by Yarmo or whatever. Like, it's just simply not the case. Cole just, you know, we joke about it, but he's he's the golden boy. Like, he's the one that broke the mold. He was the only uh, draft selection of his entire class to, p- to play the entire NHL season last year. Like, that just doesn't happen. And so, yeah, so we need to to all temper our expectations of, of these rookies because it's really unfair. But I was afraid that, <laughs> like, if I went super low, people would be mad at me because I like so to that's, them all. Okay. But I do agree with you. Like, I fully agree with you. I think Kent going to Cleveland is the right decision, but I don't. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see together. I'm not too worried about it. It'll be what it'll be with Ken Johnson. But the one thing that I know for sure, Laura, is that with hockey season back, do you know what else is back? DraftKings. Yeah, playing fantasy hockey and and being able to 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 bet on DraftKings Sportsbook for the sport that we both love. Not that I can't read ads for for football, baseball, and all that kind of stuff. I, I can do it just the same, but man, does it feel good to have a hockey read back because hockey fans it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free 
bets if they win. Maybe maybe you think the Jackets are going to turn the page in Carolina. They're going to go up. They're going to do what they did last season, blank them, 6 nothing shutout. Maybe that's what you're looking forward to. Maybe you're really pumped to see what Johnny Goudreau looks like on the ice alongside Boone Jenner and Patrick Laine. I know that I definitely am. And if that's not enough excitement for you, then, well, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Laura, talking more about bets, we've got a bet to make. I guess I should say the Blue Jackets made a bet on a player that nobody really was talking about last season. Uh, you know, outside or inside of the Blue Jackets organization or as Blue Jackets fans. And then obviously he signed over the offseason. And that's Yuna Luoto, uh, who is somebody who you know, <laughs> was almost, some people thought was like signed as like the sweetener to keep Patrick Laine in town. They're from the same hometown. They're they're really good friends. But Laura, I've just got to come out clean and say that there's a 0% chance that Yuna Luoto makes this team. 100%. Do you mean like- 0%? Oh, correct. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, didn't you know? Like, I'm just 100%. I could not pick that man out of a lineup. But... Not neither. Um, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it would be a sweetener to have him living in Ohio for Patrick. And, like, if they have off days that match up, they can visit each other. They can meet in the middle on 71 North. Um you know, but I, yeah, there's, it's just not happening. He'll be great in Cleveland. Well, I think I am most impressed that he's still around. Like the, as we record this episode, like he's still there. And maybe it's because Patty was like, Yarma, like do me a solid, like Brad, do me a solid. But yeah, I, I'm, yeah, not really much more to talk about there because I'm sure we're going to spend plenty of time talking about this next player. And that is Kirill Marshenko who is somebody, Laura, that I felt leaving Traverse City, I felt like he was the person that I saw up there that was most ready for the NHL. The way his game looked, the way that he was so hard to get off the puck, his ability to play a 200-foot game. I've got him at 45%. I Maybe I am like the recency bias here – is that I might be reading too much into Tuesday's lines. I really might be. But Kromarchenko, again, is somebody who who was not taking line rushes as a part of, of, of the top four lines. Whether or not that's indicative of who's going to make this team, it might be too early to say. But I've got him at 45%. I just wonder if it's another situation where the Jackets want to have him play meaningful minutes in Cleveland. I mean, it's not entirely impossible to imagine a, a Kent Johnson, Kromarchenko, um, and Michael Putia line in Cleveland. Like uh, the, the line that stuck together in Traverse City, the line that played together in a preseason matchup, and maybe the line that plays together in Cleveland to start. Um, I don't know how Michael Putia ended up getting that lottery card, but we'll take it for him, I guess. So. I think he's at 45%, but I could be convinced otherwise. I think the thing that makes his story complex is like just like the difference in where the player is in terms of like age and development. Like he's older, like, right? Like he's not a younger guy like Kent is where, you know, you can kind of like have some resiliency in this. Like I, I do you like, does it piss off Corral too much to be sent down to Cleveland? I don't know. Uh, and I don't know that I want to find out, but I don't know that we won't find out. So Laura, how, what percentage do you think Corral Martinego has to make this team? I had him at 65% because for all the reasons that you said, because he's older, um, because he did have such a good, showing in Traverse City like he was one of the standout players in Traverse City um he hasn't he hasn't had a bad camp but like he hasn't had like a marvelous camp um and 
And it's also the same thing of like, he's played all these seasons in the KHL and not that Yarmo ever gives into the hype about something except for like with Patty and Johnny, but you know, we've been talking about Krill for years now, waiting for his contract to be up in Russia and waiting for him to finally come over here. Um, and I'm not sure that they wouldn't be fine with letting him continue to work through some of these things that he's adjusting to on the main ice. Like, just because it's similar play level to what he was getting in the KHL and um, but yeah, I have him at 65 because I also, again, I, I don't mind when players get sent to Cleveland because I think it's really great because it's giving them an opportunity to work on stuff. So I'm not going to be upset if he starts out. He won't finish the year in Cleveland. He will absolutely be up in Columbus. But so for those who are keeping track at home, I think Laura has officially filled out her roster for the Jackets based on the percentage chance and also probably has one extra person on her team so far. <laughs> and I'm worried that she's going to rank Carson Meyer <laughs> over 50%. No, I didn't. Wow. Okay. What'd you put him at? 35. I have him at 35. Wow. Because he's had a good... he's. But definitely have been working and like trying to make his points um, with the coaches, but there's just not a space for him right now. Like, I just don't think he's strong enough for any of the spaces that are available. And yes, I use air quotes because they're just like really aren't. Um, and, you know, I think he'll be great in Cleveland. And like, I think that he'll be one of the top, like the, higher options that Yarmo considers when he does need to call people up um, from Cleveland to fill in for injury or whatever. Um, but I know everyone will hate me for that just because he's got so much, you know, and I know Ohio, like he's still playing in Ohio guys. Like it's just in Cleveland. <laughs> Still the same organization. Correct. I think the thing that maybe saves Carson here is like his game is different, right? Like in the sense that like he's not a, a Kent Johnson or Kromarchenko in the sense that like you're expecting him to be this guy who is going to, and I guess maybe he like aligns more with Kirill than he does KJ, but like he's not the player that's going to be like this like huge playmaker who's going to score a ton of goals and, and, you know, have a ton of apples in a year, right? Like he's somebody who is physical, and is able to finish when he needs to, and he makes any line that he's on better, but I don't think he's, like, this massive playmaker that the Jackets are missing. And in that case, like, I could very well see him. Like, you look at this fourth line that took the ice on Tuesday. You've got Matthew Olivier there, who we'll talk about at some point. Like, to me, like, I like I don't know. Like, we haven't seen Matthew Olivier's game all too much as, as a Blue Jacket, and so, you know, there's possibility there. But, the like... I just think, like, it, honestly, like, of the players that we just talked about, of being, like, somewhat contentious between, like, Ken Johnson, Kirill Marchenko, and now Carson Meyer, like, if you ask me who I thought deserved to make the team out of those three, I can't say that I wouldn't say Carson Meyer. Like, I, I like, don't feel confident in saying that he is not the person I would look at, but I think because of the contract situations and because of where the Blue Jackets find themselves with Ken Johnson and Kirill Marchenko, I think that that's not entirely true like i think that there is like there would be pushback to my argument there which i'm okay with so carson meyer i'm rooting for him but i just don't see it happening for him this year uh out of camp of course like you mentioned he'll be one of the first called up uh with an injury but then we move on to the player that i just mentioned and that's matthew olivier i've got him at 60 percent. like again just because i think through like the Jackets trade a fourth-round pick for him, and that's the kind of thing that Yarma Kukalainen doesn't do lightly, and he's the kind of player that the Jackets kept saying, well, we need this guy, we need this guy. Like, this is a guy that made Curtis Gabriel bleed like a stuffed pig on the ice after a fight, right? Like, that's the, that's the stuff, along with a player like Eric Branson, who we didn't talk about it much, but, like, the other night, definitely stood up for Carson Meyer, right? Like, those are the kind of players that the Jackets need, 
And so for that reason, I think I've got him a little bit over 50%. I won't be surprised if he doesn't make this team. I do kind of see him and Carson Myers maybe a little interchangeable here. But, yeah, I've got him at 60% more. Where are you at? I had him at 65. Like, I just – I gave him a little bit more because I was just like – again, they did the whole, like, we needed him. Like, they made a big deal about getting him – um, and he has spoken in the last couple of days about almost wanting to like show people his tapes, like, and be like, there's evidence of what I can do, like, and of like the type of physicality that he brings and of this kind of, cause I think something that him and Gabranton are going to come up against in Columbus and probably in Cleveland too, because I don't know what their like grit level is specifically, but they're going to come up against like some fans that aren't used to that type of physicality coming from the Blue Jackets. They're used to the Blue Jackets being a very offensively motivated team, which screws us in the end because defense is so important. Um, and getting Blue Jackets fans to be used to seeing that kind of stuff, like used to seeing big hits, used to seeing more fights, used to seeing retaliations. Because, like, Gabranson's had a couple moments in these preseason games where he, no questions asked, one of his teammates gets whatever mode over, like, checked, all this sort of stuff, and he's right there, like – he's right there. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Again, I think if they do send him to Cleveland, he won't be there the whole time. So. No, I will see. I think he'll, I think he'll move up and down the lineup. I'm not, I'm not expecting anything massive from Matthew Olivier, but then, uh, Another player on a PTO, that's Victor Rask. I've got him at a 0% too. Like, I just don't think that any of these guys, like if James Neal wasn't going to be the guy to make a P- Like, I could see him being, like, extended a contract offer, but I think he'll be in Cleveland. Yeah, and, I mean, the other guy, um, I just forget his name, has a concussion. Ben so, Harper, he's a defenseman, though. Yeah. So, yeah, 0%. Yeah. <laughs> So as of right now, the only people that Laura doesn't think are going to make the Blue Jackets are <laughs> Victor Rask and Yuna Luoto <laughs> and Carson Meyer. Sorry, and Carson Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we move on to our last player, and that is going to – or last forward, I should say, and that's Eric Robinson, Johnny Goudreau's best friend. I, that, I think that's getting overplayed. I don't, maybe this isn't the space to talk about it. I do think that that's getting a little overstated, but that's beside the point. Johnny was in his wedding. Right, sure. No, I hear you. I don't know. I just like think it's getting a little bit overplayed. But like they all know each other somehow, some way. Like I don't know. Um, but <laughs> Eric I do Robinson, think Johnny's the reason why Robinson didn't get traded away in the off season. Yeah, I mean it's not entirely impossible. I think Eric Robinson is a player that you know this team has invested a lot in Eric Robinson, and if nothing else, just and I guess it didn't materialize, but like by protecting him and by like exposing Max Domi back in for the, for the NHL expansion draft, you know, these are the kind of things that I'm just like, man, I just, I don't see them sending him to Cleveland. I don't, I think he'd get picked up. First of all, I think he's going to be, be up in Columbus. I've got him at 80%. Yeah. And I'm at 90% just because like, I don't, I don't believe that they would ever consider sending him to Cleveland just because of how many full seasons he's played for the Blue Jackets already. Like, even though I will always have an issue with the fact that he does not seem to be able to stop when skating at full speed. He did it the other night, and I just was like, why? Why have we not gotten this? Um, I don't know that this situation with Johnny is going to save him from potentially being on the block at the trade deadline. Um, But we shall see. But I just don't, I just don't think that they'll send him down to Cleveland and I think he'll take a bottom roster spot and I will just have to deal with his inability to not overskate the puck. 
Yeah, it's going to take a while, I think, for you to, to get over that feeling of about Eric Robinson. But that wraps up our forwards. <laughs> um, I again, key takeaways there. I think we're all we're both feeling pretty good about players like like Justin Danforth, anywhere Chinnikov. I, I think we feel good about Eric Robinson. We've got some differing opinions on Ken Johnson, uh, but I, I feel like we're pretty much on the same page about most of these players. It's going to be interesting to see how how the chips fall, but. Then we move to the defenseman, and I, man, I, you know, including him on this list is probably disingenuous. He's going to make this team, um, but I think maybe I'm just, like, being petty, and, like, maybe I'm just, like, I have feelings, but, like... Yeah, I don't have as many feelings about this person as you do. Aaron Portsline today in his athletic article described Jake Bean's training camp is just like remarkably average wasn't it like wasn't that the language or like something like yeah. that like or remarkably un- remarkably unremarkable or something like that like it was definitely that? it was man he just does not looks good and he played in that game that eight one loss and every player who was on the ice is like tainted by that like i'll own that like that's a recency bias saying like but man i i think i'm like sitting here regretting losing that second like I know that Jake, like Jake Bean is an NHL player. Like, I don't want to say that he's not an NHL player and you can't guarantee that you're going to get NHL talent in the second round. But like, there's a small part of me that's like, I wonder what would have happened to that second round pick if we would have just held on to it from Chicago and not traded it to Carolina for Jake Bean. I, man, like, I'm just not inspired by him. Like I, there's something about him that I just like, don't know what it is. I think it's like, I don't know. It just, reminds me like do you know how like there are players that i know you have that feeling toward just like inherently like i know like i talk to kelly all the time like they're just players that kelly hates and i don't understand it um for years it was ryan murray like she hated ryan murray and i was like girl why like like i get it he gets hurt all the time but like what's going on i don't know jake bean i've got him 80 percent to make the team i just basically put him on this list so i could be pissed off and mad about it and talk about it on the show yeah i'm at 92 percent so I just like gave a little, a little bit for like some weird to happen. Okay, I respect. Yeah, I just think I, I don't have really a problem with Jake Bean. I really enjoyed him last season. I enjoyed like what I learned about his process. I kind of think that he is the kind of player that is just like he he tries hard, but he's like kind of quiet about it and he's just kind of more aloof in the preseason like me i don't know if it's a confidence thing or something but he just is like he's like yeah i'll participate but like i'm not gonna give it on my all because like these don't matter but he also just maybe like doesn't realize the space like the place that we're in when it comes to positions and especially because there's only six defensemen so but I think he'll be on the roster. I He will be. I'll get over it. But now we move on to a player like Nick Blankenberg, who is somebody who I don't know as necessarily as much of a shoe-in. I've got him at 75%. I think he'll make the team. Whether or not he's that seventh defenseman or he's skating on the third pair, that remains to be seen in, in camp today. He was skating uh, on the fourth pair, which, as we all know, is not actually a pair, um, with David Juracek. And so, I don't know. I, I think that Blanks is probably a player that, like, flirts with the top six and, and flirts with, with getting, like, ice time. But he's somebody who I think is going to have to earn every minute that he gets. So I've got him at 75% to make the team. Whether or not he's scratched opening night, like, I, I would say that that's probably more likely than not. But we'll see. Yeah, and I'm at 70% for basically all the reasons you said. And, again, I don't I – don't, see an issue sending him to Cleveland again for all the same reasons I've said for multiple players. So again, he won't probably finish in Cleveland, but he is going to have to work for every minute of NHL ice that he gets this season. Yeah. And and talking about a player who's going to have to really work to get NHL ice, Jay Christensen, uh, you know, he's a player that got, he got a look last season in, in the NHL. He didn't look bad. Like he wasn't like, you know, wasn't casting a vote for him to be an all-star, but 
he he was fine and i think that he like last season like he was one of the top scorers in the ahl for defensemen like he's a player who like could do really good things in cleveland um and i would say that there's a 95 percent chance of him doing that because i've got him at five percent to make this team out of training camp Oh, I had him at zero percent. And that's fair. Like I like I, I gave him a bone. Like I don't know. Like I'm sure he'll get a whirl every now and again. I mean, I think that if you look at this, like, um, and I guess we can. I'll, I'll piggyback this off of the David Yurichek conversation because I think David Yurichek is probably going back to Europe. Like in my opinion, like I feel like that's maybe best for his development. Maybe it's not. Maybe AHL Cleveland is the best for his development. I don't think he's going to be in this lineup opening night. But to me, right, like Jake Christensen is a player that could could really be like such a key piece for the Monsters. And we'll see. To me, like I think he's currently, if, if David Juracek goes back to, to Czechia, um, then to me, Jake Christensen is the eighth defenseman. And so – naturally what that means is he will get called up like at some point yeah Um, it's just a matter of when who gets injured why he gets called up that kind of deal and we'll see how that turns out but those two players to me both probably not making the main squad but where do you have david urichek in your percentages um i had him at like 20 percent like i honestly think i honestly feel like he's still on the training camp roster because they're trying to determine which option is going to be better for his development, either to send him back to Europe for a year or to send him to Cleveland. I don't think that he is truly on anyone's like mock roster for opening night or like opening season roster. He's just not ready yet. And that is fine. That is normal for people who just got drafted into the NHL, like he is talented. He has a lot of hockey knowledge. He did stand out um, in Traverse city, but like, he's just not ready for the NHL and that is okay. So nobody yell. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just think right now they're still trying to determine if Europe is the way to go or Cleveland. So I think that's fair. I think that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought of with Eurocheck. And so Laura, a plus analysis from you on that. I agree. I think he won't be a blue jacket to start the season, but we'll see. And Ben Harper, he's concussed. Like I, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't like, there's not, he might get a taste of Cleveland. Like they might sign him like to keep him in, in the system, but yeah, I don't see it. I just think that they haven't made any decisions for him because he can't physically look at things yet. Like he's still in the like dark room, no loud noises. He hit his head hard. So they're just like, let him be able to rest. And then we'll tell him he's either not getting a contract or going to Cleveland. Yeah, I entirely agree with you. So let's do the goaltenders. Okay. We've got two of them that we're going to talk about on this one, y'all. Um, and I'm, I'm giving Laura a challenge. Mm-hmm. This has to equal 100%. So the caveat here is if Jonas Corbisalo is healthy, I think we both are of the opinion that these two will go to Cleveland. Yes. In this dream world, it's not a dream. That sounds terrible. But in this hypothetical world... Jonas Corposalo is not cleared yet to back up Elvis Merzlikens in net opening night. So who is backing up Elvis Merzlikens? Is it Jack Greaves or is it Daniel Tarasov? What is your percentage for both? Equaling 100%. Okay. Um, I'll tell you the percentages first and then it'll be like fun to figure out who... So my breakdown I think, is I, I think I'll know. I think I'll know. Probably. But my breakdown is 70-30. Okay. And my choice for the 70% is Jet Greaves. Yeah. And the 30 yeah. for Daniel Terrasov. 
Jet has just had such a good training camp. He was impressive in Traverse City, and he has been solid. Like, except for Carolina the other night, obviously. But that was a shit show for everyone. But every other game they've given him, he has had an incredible save percentage. He has not looked shaky. Um, And for not having ever played an NHL game yet, like, I think that's great. And to give Daniil the... Because just like Corpy, he is also recovering from the same surgery. I think it would be better to let him just start in Cleveland and really get back into the rhythm. Because I think he has kind of struggled in these preseason games and getting back into the rhythm of things. And it's hard when you're either... Well, when you're playing half a game and if you're the second goalie going in because you are going in cold and you're going in in the middle of a period and it's just depending on how that game is depends on so many factors so but I just think it would be better for him to start in Cleveland so if Corpy is not healthy I'm going with Jet Graves well I think that's a little bit of the question right like can you like justify like who do you want to be your starter in Cleveland? And do you want them to have a little bit of a rhythm? And if your answer to that question is Daniel Tarasov, I think that increases Jaggery's likelihood of being in that role. Jet played really well in Cleveland though, too. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if this is as even of a split in Cleveland as people think it is. I think that Jack Greaves is giving Tarasov all he wants and more in terms of a battle here. Uh, you know, Tarasov has a lot of potential. I think people would argue that Tarasov's potential is much higher than Jet Greaves. I it's close. Like, it is close on this one. Daniil Tarasov has a taste of NHL ice. He understands a little bit more than Jack Greaves does. I'm going to go 55-45. Like, I'm going to go 55% Daniil Tarasov, 45% Jack Greaves, backing up Ellis Merzlikens. And it's possible it could be a mixture of both. Like, right? Like, I mean, like, you could, like, see, see a little bit of both. So, Laura, we've got the lineup set. I'm at the regulation 23 roster players. You've got fucking 29, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, because at the end of the day, you'll probably be right more often than I am. So <laughs> it is what it is. But um, we'd be remiss if we didn't wrap up the show by congratulating the Gaudreau family on the birth of their newly born child, Noah. So congratulations to Meredith and Johnny, of course, um, on the birth of their new new little baby um we love it laura is like i i stole this portion from laura because i knew that like an hour into the show like we were going to be here for an extra 20 minutes if she got a chance to talk about babies because she is like the world's biggest like like all things like baby and like you're making me sound creepy not creepy but like laura is like if you don't know Laura personally, like Laura is like the world's best auntie. Like she's like the world's like most caring. Like that's the kind of like love that Laura is so good at giving. And so like whenever like baby talk comes up, like I'm always like, Laura is going to take this and run with it, which like I'm usually here for. Um, But listen. Well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to steal the like newsy, section that you skipped over and that's the goalie signing oh yeah nolan lalonde yes we signed a rookie goaltender nolan lalonde uh to a three-year entry-level contract um he was good in camp he is only 18 years old he is a baby what I said it's wild. You usually don't see goaltenders play as well as he did as an 18-year-old. Like, he, he like, earned that entry-level deal. I mean, he's back in the OHL, but, like, he's – when he gets his taste, he's going to uh, – like, if he keeps it up, man, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, so congratulations to Nolan. We're happy to have him in the pipeline. Uh, this gives people more of a reason to check out the Erie Otters as they go through their season. Um, but – so yeah, not too far away. Get up for a game, y'all. <laughs> True. Yes. And then are we gonna are we gonna talk about the last thing? Do you want to rag? You want to drag that, me for what? Oh, 
Well, maybe we'll save it because I, I have, I, I want to run you the riot act, but the people have been here for long enough. So we'll let them go this time around. But um, tune in next episode when I read Laura for Phil for liking Bowie the mascot of the Seattle Kraken. So that's your little teaser for next week. You'll want to make sure you bring it back here to subjectively speaking for that. But in the meantime, you can follow us really wherever you want, but Laura is going to tell you where, where it makes the most sense. So I thought he was going to steal it again, y'all. And I was going to be so. You say again. It's probably been like a hundred episodes since I've done the outro. Mm, I don't think it's that many. We've only done 134. But anyway, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. We are on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, If you want to see our beautiful faces and all the hard work that Jeremy put into things, you can check out our website, SubjectivelySpeaking.com. Um, if you want to help out your two favorite hockey podcasters and also get some sweet merch um, in exchange, you can check out our new uh, merch store, subjectivelymerch.com, which, guess what, you guys, has more than just our Here's Johnny uh, logo on it. and now has our original full logo with the Ohio flag and the microphone, um, which we are very proud of. Shout out again to our incredible graphic designer, Stephen Kanicki. So that is available and soon the rest of our logos and maybe, of course, some some new stuff as the season gets started. And then lastly, you can rate, review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, uh, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts. We uh, scroll on down, give us a five star rating. Again, we don't know how the algorithm works or what it looks at or whatever. We just know that, you know, ratings and subscriptions and comments and all this sort of stuff helps us get noticed in the hockey podcast community. And I've said it for every episode all off season, but we're desperately trying to get to 50 uh, star ratings on Apple Podcasts. And again, we're at 48 now. So we've gotten one since our last episode. Um, So if someone, if two people want to just do us a solid and give us just before the season starts. So you got, you got some time, like nine days. So help a podcast out. But other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. That is true. And the next time we come to you all, we'll be previewing the Blue Jackets season opener against the Carolina Hurricanes. So you'll want to keep it locked in all the places that Laura just mentioned. And uh, until next time, make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you.